Hello, everyone. Welcome to Keenan STL Podcast, brought to you by Keenan Baptist Church, where we exist to connect you to what matters most, to God, to people, and to purpose. Hey, this is Pastor Daniel. Glad you're here with us today. And again, I'm joined by Pastor Martin Winslow. How are you doing today, Martin? Doing great. Hope everybody's doing well. It's nice and cool outside. Yes, feels great. Feels great. Well, hey, we are in the middle of this uh, podcast series on eschatology, the study of end things. And uh, we've already kind of done a broad overview. And now we're kind of in the portion of this series where we are doing a, a kind of a segment on each one of the four major views of, of eschatology. And so we've already looked at the dispensational premillennial view, and we've already looked at the historical premillennial view. Well, that takes care of premillennialism uh, for this segment. So now we're moving into amillennialism today. So uh, just as a reminder, Martin, just in a, yeah. two, a couple of sentences, what is the gist of amillennialism? So amillennialism, and you, and you hear, as opposed to the other ones that just talk about the millennial, you hear that A at the beginning. That's in Greek, actually, it's called an alpha privative, and it's a negation. So it means no millennium, literally, right. Right. which is really a little bit of a misnomer. Um, but amillennialism technically believes that the millennial reign of Jesus Christ is not a literal millennium or thousand years. So that's kind of the gist of it. Uh, it all, so it doesn't deny the millennium in a sense of like a time where Christ reigns, but what it does deny is that it's a literal period of time. They also believe that we are in the millennium right now where Christ is ruling and reigning. Yeah. Highly debatable. Yeah. And that's why we're having this podcast series, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So yeah, very well said. So in, in amillennialism, just some, some notes here, but uh, in, in the amillennial view, the millennium is the spiritual reign of Jesus in the hearts of his followers. Right, right. right? It's not so, physical. So yeah. we're in the millennium mm-hmm. right now, according to ah, millennialism. And though it's not a literal thousand-year reign, it's just simply the time between Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, his first yep. coming, and his second coming. You got it. So that's, that's the. It. So we're in that millennium mm-hmm. right now. So according to ah, millennialism, the millennium, the church age to include mm-hmm. tribulation is all simultaneously. Yep. It's happening yep. right now. I know right. the first, you know who the first amillennialist was? I think it's St. Augustine, maybe. That's right. Yeah, St. Augustine or Augustine. You say Augustine? Yeah. I've always said Augustine. You know, I always heard Augustine was a place down in Florida. And Augustine was a, was a theologian from the. First I've always century. called him Augustine, hey, whatever. But he was a, a he 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 kind of ministered in the city of Hippo, mm-hmm. and he wrote he wrote this in his book City of God, which we still have. It's amazing. It's um you know extremely old. When did he live? Like the three hundreds? Yeah, fourth century. Yeah, three hundreds A.D. But he wrote this. He says during the thousand years when the devil is bound, the saints also reign for a thousand years. Without any doubt, these two time periods are identical and point to the time between the first and second coming of Christ. So there you go. So he's he's kind of gone down in history as the first person uh, to hold this amillennial view, right? Or read his Bible accurately. Oh, listen at you. <laughs> so, so I, wait a minute. I thought you were considered yourself well, post-mill. Well, post and I have a lot in common. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They do. Yeah, we'll get to that. Okay. All right, so... And, you know, one distinction, another distinction that amillennialists, I think, in post-mill makes too, which yeah. we'll get to post-mill next week, but um, that's different than pre-mill is the, what is the first resurrection? Yeah. Right? It's, yeah. A, it's, a, it's an issue. Um, so for pre-mill, the first resurrection 
takes place when Christ returned. You know, you have First Thessalonians chapter four: the dead in Christ will rise, right. and uh, and then those who are still living will be gathered together and join Jesus in the air. We'll meet him in the air, right? That's mm-hmm. that's the first resurrection: the dead in Christ are raised. Well, that is different than the. Uh, the amil and the post mill view, which says, no, the first resurrection is the new birth, is regeneration. It's when we're born again. So the moment you confess Christ as Lord, you are, you're, you know, you're spiritually dead. Now you're raised to life. Right. right? So that's, that's the concept. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of, a lot of verses that talk about the new birth, John three, John five, a lot of different passages talk about this new life we have. Second Corinthians 5, 17, you know, everything's, Old old things have passed. All things become right. new. You know, your new creation. So, so in amillennialism, there's a first resurrection, second right. resurrection. The second resurrection, you understand as I'm saying you because you yeah. kind of have a foot in this camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but you hold that the second resurrection takes place is at the Great White Throne Judgment. Is that uh, we, well? We would say so. Here's here's what both on post would say is that when Christ returns, it's a general resurrection of the just. And the unjust. So yes, great white throne and Bama seat would happen simultaneously. Okay, very does good. That makes sense. It does. So, yeah. It does. Yep, absolutely. It does. And um, whereas pre mill view is mm-hmm. that there's there's two different time frames: the dead in Christ rise right. at the return of Christ, but then the, yeah, then you have the millennial reign. Right. After that, you have the second resurrection. Right. Yep. You so have, yeah, that's a different. significant difference. Right. And the first one in the premillennial view is the just. The second resurrection is the unjust and the just. Yeah, but the okay. first one's just spiritual. Wait a minute, you talking pre mill or amil? Pre mill. No. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, that's correct. Pre mill okay. is just the just, just the saved. Okay. The and then the one. end is the the at the end is the unsaved. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Just the unsaved at the, in the yep. end. Okay. Yeah. There's probably a little debate on that, yeah. but that's that's what I've always that's in my thought process, okay. right? Although there are some scriptures that are troublesome for that. Yeah. You know, like you Matthew twenty five. I'm actually yeah. preaching on it this Sunday. You yeah. know, the separating of the sheep and the goats. Right. That seems like it's a simultaneous action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's interesting. But um, some different things that other different things um, that that are in you know notes about amillennialism is different things that the amillennialists emphasize. Uh, you believe that the the book of Revelation consists of seven sections. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to probably this is probably the first thing we look at after we look at each view is how does each view look at the book of Revelation? Yep. Then we'll, after that we'll go to Daniel. You know, we'll probably treat right. it like that. Um, but the book of Revelation deals of seven sections, and there's these are not successive time periods, right. um, but these seven sections simply describe in apocalyptic language the time from Jesus' first coming until the second coming in seven different ways. Mm-hmm. So it's seven different accounts of the same time section. Yeah. Would, right. it, would you add anything to that? No. And this is where <clears> – <throat> so this is this this is one major reason why I left kind of AMO and changed to post-mill is actually just the view Is that, is that of official? Revelation. Are you officially categorized as a post-millennialist? I'm going to go on there and say at this point I'm a post-millennialist. Oh, boy. All right. Here we go. All right, go <laughs> but ahead. But, yes, you, you are accurate. So seven sections, they're not successive time periods according to Amil position. These sections describe the time from Jesus' first coming until his second coming and its its views of different ways. And I think what a lot of the Amil guys do, and this is why they're kind of similar, 
is they sprinkle preterism in both of these views when we look at like a okay, lot of what's going on in Revelation. Let's just be clear so yep. our, our listeners, what is, what is preterism? Preterism means that a lot of the prophecies that have typically been seen as futurist events in the Bible and in the book of Revelation actually happened in the first century at the destruction of the temple. Yep. And the ah-mill and post-mill positions have a lot in common when it comes to that. Um, so just to be yeah. clear, so mm-hmm. uh, the preterist view, the preterist method of reading Revelation, is if you're full preterist, then everything in Revelation yeah. has already happened. Right. If you're a partial preterist, which I think you probably are, right, mm-hmm. then Revelation 1 through 19 has already happened versus, I mean, chapters 20 and 4 are, are yet to come. Is that correct? Or would you say um, 21 and 22 are yet yeah, to come? Yeah, so, so Satan being loosed for a little while at the end of Revelation 20 after this binding has not happened yet. Okay. That could – or or maybe it hasn't. We just haven't realized it yet mm. before the final – Yep. The final coming of Jesus. Okay. Yeah. All right. Very good. Uh, some other things about amillennialism. Um, yeah, you mentioned that the, the first century, so that most of Revelation was fulfilled in the very first century. Mm. Unpack that a little bit. Like like what? Yeah. So, how has Revelation been fulfilled in the first century? Sure. So if you look at Revelation chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, John is told to go and to measure the temple. Well, um, you know... One of the, you know, interpretations of the book of Revelation as far as like, when was it written? Uh, the typical view has been that John wrote it in the 90s, but the temple didn't exist in the 90s. The temple was destroyed in 70 AD. So a preterist comes to this passage and they look at, well, John's told to go and at face value, he's told to go actually measure the temple and do these things. So the thought is that the temple is still standing. Okay, so Revelation 11, uh, 1 through 2 says that the temple's there. This is according to the the on post mill views. The other thing is there's a talk of persecution in the church for 42 months. And if you look at the burning of Rome, which was blamed on Christians by Nero that happened in 64, um, that lasted, his persecution against Christians lasted in intensity until his death in 68, which was a period of 42 months. So there are things like that. There's also talk about... Um, this great harlot that rides on seven hills, right? And Rome is situated on seven hills in Rome. And so um, you look at the number of the beast, which is 666, which spells Caesar Nero in Jewish gematria. So a lot of people believe that these are preterist verses where you can see first century fulfillment uh, that's actually going on during the time of Christians Hmm. and the destruction of the temple. And of course, the way I think that most, probably in our lifetime and before, most mm-hmm. Baptists have read Revelation has been more of a futurist. Yeah, view, absolutely. Where chapters four through the end are future. So, right. you know, for, for chapter 11, verse one and two, the argument would be that John is just seeing a future temple, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and that, yes, Nero was a prototype of the coming Antichrist. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's one of the major differences mm-hmm. is how we look at Revelation. Yeah, that's good. Um, and some other notes about uh, amillennialism, that the Great Tribulation, right, mm-hmm. really just represents disasters, wars, persecutions that occur throughout church yeah. history. Yeah. So the burning at the stake of William Tyndale and, you know, all of those things, yeah. the persecution we see today of so many believers right. all over, it's all part of this Great Tribulation 
that we see in the New Testament. Yeah, it's just represented throughout the church age. Now, there is some Amil um, that, that see things as getting worse, and so a ramping up of evil before mm-hmm. the return of Christ mm-hmm. is typical within the Amil position. But you're right. It's just the history of the church age. Just like I think it was a couple of days ago, Mike Self had passed on some info to me about persecution. A great persecution happened of Christians in North Korea, mm. and a lot of people were yeah. just killed there a few it's days horrible. ago. So yes, Amil believes that. Yep. Um, also, we, I think we mentioned this in the last couple of podcasts, but the view of, of the nation of Israel, mm-hmm. right? Um, most references to Israel in Revelation you see as symbolic references to the people of God on earth. Absolutely. Not necessarily yeah. the geopolitical nation right. of Israel, not the biological mm-hmm. descendants of Abraham, but the right. faith descendants of Abraham. Right. right? So, you don't, so in your view then, yeah. the Amil view, mm-hmm. you see that there's nothing left for but biological, political Israel. Okay, great question. So Amil is a little split on on this, and some believe, um, <clears throat> like when I was Amil for 16 years, that there is still something for ethnic Israel that you can't get out of that's in, Rev- in Romans chapter 11 that says, yep. you know, after the the fullness of the Gentiles right. has happened, yep. uh, and then it says all Israel will be saved. And so it seems like Paul delineates between ethnic Israel there and the church, but as a general rule, Amil sees that the promises to Israel are fulfilled completely and totally in the church. Like when Paul says in Romans chapter 2, who is a Jew? Mm-hmm. It's somebody who's circumcised, not in the flesh, but in the heart. And so that would be Kevin in this room, you and me. Uh, because we're believers in the gospel, so so Judaism, right, as a whole, passed on to the church and spiritual Israel. So Amil believes it, but the question of ethnic Israel, I would say most of the Amils that I've come into contact with still believe there is something special for ethnic Israel. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Um, also, uh, if you, this kind of goes back to how you read mm-hmm. Revelation, just apocalyptic literature in general, where numbers represent concepts, not necessarily literal statistics. Right. Why don't you unpack that one for us a little bit? Yeah, so when you look at the book of Revelation and you see something like the thousand years referred to, Amil is called Amil not because they don't believe in a millennium, but they just don't believe it's literal. Um, so they would they would see like um, you know in the Psalms that says our our father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Well, God owns the cattle on every hill, mm. and so they just look at that as like this is a period of time that's being referred to. It's not trying to be specific. Um, it also looks at things like. Um, you know, the Lamb of God being talked about in Revelation chapter 5, that, you know, the four living creatures are around on the throne. We don't believe that that's a literal Lamb. That's Jesus, right? But so there's kind of some symbolic language in there, and so you have to be, you know, mm. uh, wise about what that means. The spirits of – it says there's seven spirits of God. Well, we know that the Holy Spirit is one spirit, you know. Um, so what what's going on is seven just represent um, – perfection. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I'm saying? Yep. So they're just kind of careful with the number thing. Yep. But gotcha. then they, they, on the other hand, they take the 42 months of the persecution of Nero and they say, literally, this is probably literal. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah that is, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to have it both ways. It is. Yeah, it, it is. is. And I think every position struggles with that right. at Absolutely. some level, you know, because yeah. it's, it's all apocalyptic literature in Revelation. Right. So the type of literature hasn't changed. Yeah. So how do you know when to transition from taking a number literally to taking a number Figuratively, metaphorical, right. you know, symbolically—that's yeah. that's the rub, you know. I I usually that's 
one reason I'm pre-mill is I, t- I lean on taking all of that literal. Right. Yeah. Literally. Yeah, would be correct. So, um, anyway, some, let's look at some just a few brief scriptures that seem to support sure. amillennialism. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible frequently uses the number of 1,000, 1,000 figures, like you already mentioned. Um, the first resurrection, which you talk about, could refer to that spiritual resurrection or regeneration. And there's a lot of scriptures that talk yeah. that they don't really use the word resurrected for that, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of resurrection-type language. Right. You know, so that, that is true. Uh, the second coming of Christ and the resurrection of the saved and the unsaved all occur at the same time. Yeah. Um, so some verses that we Daniel chapter twelve, the resurrection, some to life, some to eternal yep. condemnation. Um, John chapter five, Matthew twenty five, separating the sheep yep. and the goats at the harvest. So those passages seem to support an amill view yep. instead of a pre mill, you know, kind of concept. Um, the saints on are on earth during the tribulation, right? Mm-hmm. So that would support a that would support several views. That would support right. a, a historical pre mill yep. view. It yep. Supports an ah mill view, and really the only one that refutes would be the dispensational pre mill right. view. Um, so the, another question is when 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 was amillennialism? We we mentioned mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> as you say it, Augustine. Yeah, <clears throat> we mentioned that he's kind of the first one. But when did ah mill view really get popular? Do you, do you happen to to know anything about that? Well, I know. I will say this. <clears throat> I know it's become a little more yeah. and more widespread, kind of gradually. Right. You know. I I do know that Saint Augustine is probably uh, the most famous theologian of the first thousand years of the church. Yep, right? absolutely. Outside of Jerome, so yep. this guy um, it, he was well respected. He was theologically astute. Um, he was. Um, you know, he had knowledge in the languages. And so I think probably just the influence of Augustine forward, you're going to see an increase from the fourth century onward towards that amillennial position becoming more and more. Yep. And, you know, you've got a lot of people like in Presbyterian life that the amill view is very, very um, – both amill and postmill mm-hmm. in Presbyterian life. Yeah. And, and Historically more amill in yeah, Presbyterian. That's yeah. true. That's true. <clears throat> and it was, you know, the famous R.C. Sproul, which we've talked about a lot, was Amill. Most of his and, life. Until, until the very, very end. end he, he became, yeah, he changed the post-mill. When yep. he became right. Um, yeah, some some other famous um, um, amillennial um, scholars and theologians in history is Martin Luther, John Calvin, um, E.Y. Mullins, Abraham Kuyper, Herschel Hobbes, J.I. Packer. Um, yeah, just, and, and you know, a name you said in there is Luther – who was an Augustinian monk. Right? Yeah, right. And Luther became so famous during the Middle Ages. Yep. But that would have been the influence of Augustine. Yeah, absolutely. In the yeah, so absolutely. You're right. Yeah. So it's a it's you know, it's it's a view that has been pretty solidly held to mm-hmm. throughout throughout the church yeah. history. Let me start with with Augustine Augustine, sorry. <laughs> um so yeah, so it, it's not like, you know, the the uh, dispensational pre-mill view, which was unheard of until right. 1820. Yep. And then it really took off. And yeah. and as we mentioned before, it's really on the decline now. Yeah. Um, younger generations just aren't buying into dispensational premillennialism. Yeah, and, and so you're right. So if you take the three views now that we've kind of talked about, you've got historical pre with the church fathers. Yeah, it's right? the oldest view. It's the oldest view. And then you've got early Fourth century, the greatest theologian of the first thousand years holding to the Amil position, those are definitely the two most historical positions. That's right. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Out of the four. That's right. And then dispensational pre mill and the post mill, which we'll talk next week, are the historically lesser viewed right. ones. Yep. Now that's last again, last hundred and hundred and fifty years, that's not the case. Right. I think right. the 
dispensational premium view, I mean, it, it went yeah. gangbusters, right. you know? Um, but you yeah. know, what's interesting is you've got premillennial dispensationalism and historic premillennialism, which sound a lot alike, but they're really not. No, there, there's quite a few differences. There's, there's yeah. quite a few differences, but here's, what's interesting. When you look at Amil and post mill, there's not a lot of difference between either. those two. Yeah. And that's why some people make that jump. You don't yeah. you don't hear of a lot of historical pre guys like going pre mill dispensationalist. Right. You know? But you do hear of a lot of people who waver between ah and post. Because yeah. Yeah. they're just yeah. so one, similar. one thing we do need to highlight mm-hmm. a view that Amil has about what according to Amillennialism, mm-hmm. what's the conditions on earth going to continue to progress towards yeah, yeah. until the return of Christ. Because that's, so, that's a huge differentiation between amill and post-mill. It is. So amillennialists look at the future in a negative light. So um, 2 Thessalonians, or 2 Timothy, 2 Thessalonians, the man of lawlessness yep. coming. Second, yep. And so they're going to look at the future as um, getting worse and worse, a decline before Christ returns, more like it was during the times of Noah. So if you mm-hmm. look at Matthew 24, they look at that a little bit more apocalyptic yep. as opposed to, like you said, a post-mill position. So yep. negative outlook on the future, on humanity, it's going downhill. Yeah. So let's just end looking at timelines, right? Mm-hmm. So so I'm going to try to track through this. Um, yep. Just listen to make sure I don't make yep. any mistakes. So dispensational premillennialism. Mm-hmm. Here's what the timeline looks like. The next thing to happen is the rapture yep. of the church. Then you have the rise of the Antichrist, which launches a seven-year period known as the Tribulation, where the first three and a half years, pretty tough, but then that midpoint on is called the Great Tribulation. At the end of the Great Tribulation is the day of the Lord, the second coming of Christ, where he returns, sets up his literal 1,000-year reign on earth with the saints, rules... Satan is bound in the abyss, literally bound. He is impotent during that time, affects nothing. At the end of that thousand years, he um, – let me back up. When Christ returns, sets up the millennial kingdom, that, in, that culminates at the Battle of Armageddon yep. where he defeats – Revelation's term is the beast. The beast, Antichrist, is synonymous in the dispensational pre-mill view. Yep. Man of lawlessness, all those are Same. synonymous. Yeah. So Jesus defeats the, be- the beast and the false prophet, and then uh, Satan's bound. The thousand-year millennium happens. At the end of the thousand years, Satan is released. Yep. The final battle, you have God versus Satan. Satan is vanquished, thrown to the lake of fire along with the beast and the false prophet. Great white throne judgment, and then eternity. Yep, that's, right? that's how I understand it. That's dispensational <clears throat> pre-mill. Yep. Historical pre-mill. The next thing to happen is the rise of Antichrist and persecution, mm-hmm. right? Possibly including a rebuilt temple, right? Uh, but there will be a literal seven-year time of tribulation that the church goes through that time mm-hmm. because that's not the wrath of no God. No rapture. No rapture yet, right. right? That's not the wrath of God. That's the wrath of Satan against the church, where then God leverages that for the purging, the cleansing, okay. the purification of the church. It's toward the end of that uh, seven-year period is when Christ returns, mm-hmm. raptures the church. Get, we, we go meet him in the air, dead in Christ shall rise. And then he, we're kind of going up to greet our king, welcome him, and then we come back with him as he then defeats the Antichrist. Um, Battle of Armageddon sets up his thousand literal one thousand year reign. Not all pre mill hold to a thousand a literal yeah. thousand year, um, but thousand year reign on the earth. Followed by when during that time Satan is bound. He's again he's impotent. Yep. Cannot affect anything. Um, at the end of the thousand years he's released. Um, the final battle: God versus Satan. 
great white throne judgment, uh, eternity. Yep. Right. So just a few differences there. Now we get to Amil. Walk us through your understanding of the amillennial timeline. Sure. So since the cross, you've had this millennium that's going on now. Again, Amil means no millennium, but it just means it's not a literal thousand years. But it is this church age, this period. The millennium is happening right now. The consummation has not happened. What's going to happen is the next thing that's supposed to happen is Christ returns like a thief in the night. And when he returns, it's going to be the general resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. And so it's Yahtzee. Okay, and at that time you've got the great white throne. <laughs> Yahtzee, and you, that's like it. <laughs> and you've got the bema seat all happening at once in the final judgment, and then we move into the eternal state, which is going to be heaven with our spiritual bodies, yeah. and hell for those with their bodies that yeah. have been raised. So it's interesting. So mm-hmm. according to dispensational premillennialism mm-hmm. and amillennialism, the return of Christ is imminent. It could yeah. happen at any moment. Absolutely. Historical yeah. premillennialism, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. There's got to be other things that happen right. first before Jesus right. returns. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it could, like in the Amil, it could happen now. Yeah. Like right now. Yeah, absolutely. Like like many have said, I, I'll be glad to change my view on the on, <laughs> in the air. Um, <clears throat> so uh, another thing, amillennialism, what about the Antichrist, the beast? What's, wh- mm-hmm. Who is that? What is that? I mean, you've already kind of mentioned yeah. that, but... Yeah. Is there a is there an antichrist to come? What uh, what's the view? The the, the views kind of split on it, but yeah, as Amil sees things getting worse though into the future, possibly, and again, it could be it could be now. You know, I don't think it is, but um, you you see that there could be this antichrist type figure that kind of leads into worse tribulation that comes worldwide mm-hmm. into the world, and so there there is that view. Yeah. yeah okay. So, not to mm-hmm. dig into the weeds on like scriptures yeah. yet, but mm-hmm. just one. So, First John, um, he says we have heard the Antichrist is coming, yeah. and that's with a capital A. But many Antichrists have come. Yeah. So, so do you in your in your view is that the Antichrist is that still future for us, or is that was that Caesar Nero? Yeah. So, um, if you're talking about the Amil position, yes. Yeah. In the Amil position. Um, you've again. There's kind of a split, I think. But I would say that in the Amil position, uh, because some people are partial preterists, mm-hmm. you're going to see them believing that yeah, Nero was that person, but there will be a future person who looks also like a gotcha. Caesar Nero. He's this okay. kind of persecuting man of lawlessness type person that we saw in his character. Yeah, that's kind of reimagined through this person. You know, this next person in the future. Okay, interesting. Yeah. All right, very good. Well, hey, I think we're like a little past time, but um, yeah. good dis- good discussion. Yeah. So next week we're looking at the final of the four, and that's post millennialism. Right. Your new uh, your new camp, <laughs> and so uh, be fun to try to punch holes in that yeah. uh, as we go. <laughs> but anyway, hey, uh, if you have any questions or comments, just shoot them our way at info at canaanstl.org. and uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to listen to the podcast. Hope it's helpful, and uh, we'll talk to you next week on Canaan STL podcast.